I wonder how often we really see the stars here in London. I guarantee not too often, because in this light polluted surroundings we, surroundings we live in, the heavens, the moon and the stars are hidden. So most of the time we just pass by without noticing. However, living at the top of my house, I do notice the heavens quite often. Sunrise from my bedroom can be spectacular. Some years ago, I remember being struck by my two-year-old granddaughter out on holiday in Spain, seeing the stars properly for the first time. And she nearly fell over backwards as she stood in the garden looking up at the sky so intently you could see that she was marvelling. A few years later, I remember standing in the same garden and looking up as Venus passed so near to the earth, it shone extraordinarily brightly in the sky, and it was like magic. Stars have such a magic quality, and it's when we look up and see where they are, we realize that here we are, standing on our star that shines so brightly too. It must have been very different in Jesus' time, Stars so clear that everyone saw them, ordinary people marvelling as they looked up, entranced by their brightness, just as my Neve was. But we know that there were scholars so interested that they studied the heavens all the time, and they knew where the stars were, and they even gave them names. So it seems that three of these scholars, these wise men, who studied the sky for so many years, suddenly noticed something was different. Something in the heavens had changed. And through their network, they got in touch and got together to discuss what was going on and why this had happened. These men were not tied down by convention. They were open-minded about all that was going on round about them and curious about the mystery of the star and determined to solve the message that it had sent. From everything that Matthew tells us, we gather that these men were very important and held in high esteem. And surely this is what made Herod angry and jealous when he was forced to meet them and listen to them, because most people, even in his own country, saw him as a usurper, stuck in his palace, guarding his throne and his kingship, afraid of the slightest threat, and ready to do anything to stay in charge, including murdering his wife and family without a second thought. So, when these three wealthy scholars arrive in Jerusalem, Herod probably suspected they had friends at court who had heard of their prowess and who wanted to invite them to meet him, perhaps in the hope that they would make him uneasy when he heard their message. And that's just what happened. And it's inevitable that when Herod hears that they're looking for the child who will be king of the Jews, of course, that means taking his place, he panics. And now those around him are worried too. So he gets the chief priests and the scribes to look up where the Messiah will be born, just in case that's who the scholars are looking for. And when he hears it's Bethlehem, he decides to cover all bases and sends them off to do his dirty work for him. 
Herod thought that if he plotted in secret, then whatever happened, the world would have power to, he would have power to do something about it. But we know that Herod had not reckoned with the power of God's light coming into the world. He had not reckoned with Jesus and what the coming of the Messiah really meant. We know that what is about to happen in this story is dynamite, and it will change everything that happens in the future of the whole world. And we know that very soon it will change everyone who comes in contact with the Son of God. And Matthew wants us to know that the power is not just for the Jews or for Israel. The power has come for everyone. These three wise men are not willing to be a part of the politics of Herod or the priests. Through the star, they have had a message from God. They've listened to it very carefully, and now they've made this long journey so that they can worship the king that they've been told about. And nothing and no one is going to stop them. They've brought gifts, and they're going to deliver those gifts to this king, come what may. But cunning Herod tries to continue his plan. Leave no stone unturned, he tells them, and come back and tell me when you find them. Of course, he's lying to them. He's no intention of worshipping anybody except himself. And as for bowing down, all he wants to do is murder this baby and get him out of the way without anybody knowing. He knows that if this is the Messiah, then he really has got a problem on his hands. So Herod sends them back off to Bethlehem to do all the legwork, hoping that when they come back, he can give them some hospitality, send them on their way, and get rid of this troublesome problem. As they leave, the three wise men look up to the sky once again, and there is the star. And once again, it leads them until they reach the stable, and they know they've arrived. They have responded to God's call. They have been drawn by God's great plan. And now, as they dismount, they ready themselves to meet a king whose wisdom is beyond anything their wisdom can see or understand. And just as the wise men looked up, it is really important that we are able to look up and see our star so that we are ready to meet Jesus in the right place and at the right time. I spent my late teens and 20s ignoring my star as I rebelled against everything I'd been taught by my parents, wanting to lead my own life in my own way. But I found out that however rebellious we are, God always has other plans for us if we're willing to listen. And when my star led me to this church, I knew it was the right time, and I definitely knew I was in the right place. Just like the rest of us, God's son was born into a world of contrasts. There would always be those who would look for him and follow him, but there would always be those who would scheme against him and finally put him to death. But God always had a plan for Jesus. And we know that God's purpose cannot be thwarted. And the wise men have that warning dream 
that protects both them and Jesus from the wickedness of Herod. And they are guided home, not by a star this time, but God's word ringing in their hearts as they thought about what they had seen and heard. So, what about finding our star this new year? When we come here Sunday by Sunday, what things are we going to explore so that we can bring that bright, shining light of God into our world? A world that knew so much darkness and sadness last year that sometimes we felt overwhelmed. Well, let's start by looking at the Bible and what it has to say about light penetrating the darkness. I didn't have to look far because these words from Isaiah were in our Old Testament reading this morning. And this line jumped out at me. Nations shall come to your light and kings to your dawning brightness. Lift up your eyes. We read elsewhere that darkness to God is light. And in my prayers every morning I say these words. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those in darkness and the shadow of death. And when we look at so much that happened last year, surely those words must help. So as we look up and see God's light shining down, let's bask in it and remember it is a good thing to just sit still in God's presence and watch and wait. It is a good thing to find the time to let go of all the worries and situations. And it's a very good thing just to worship Jesus, letting the star lead us into his presence and letting his joy fill our hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, let your light shine more and more in our dark world, driving away darkness and unbelief so that those who sit in the shadows will look up and see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.